Welcome to Bet the Edge. Thanks for spending part of your Tuesday with us here on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel with the whale capper, Drew Dinsick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. And in just a little bit, we'll be joined by Kurt Heelan, who is going to break down tonight's slate in the NBA, as well as discuss who should be the favorite right now in both the Eastern and Western Conference. Also coming up on today's episode, we have 10 NHL games Tuesday night, and Matt Bernier will stop by to explain where he sees the most plus money value on the board. And of course, as always, we finish up the show with our edge of the day. We have that and so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. Drew, you said it before we jumped on and you said classic winter Bet the Edge episode. <laughs> and you're right. I'm going to get into college basketball in a little bit. We're certainly going to talk about the NHL and of course the NBA. But before we get to all of that, I want to focus on the NFL for a second. And I'm taking a look at the odds right now to come out of the AFC. And this is where I want to get your thoughts because we have Buffalo at plus 275, Baltimore plus 450, Kansas City plus 475, and then Tennessee plus 475. Now, fairly quickly, I'm just going to lay out this week, week 10, their schedule as the Ravens on Thursday, seven and a half point favorites versus the Dolphins, Buffalo laying 13 versus the Jets, Chiefs getting the Raiders, and Titans favored versus the Saints. Of course, we can go further down the board and take a look at other teams with big numbers to come out of the AFC, but I'll stop there. I want your thoughts on right now, if you were to place a wager, either where you have action or where you're looking to get involved, uh, who you trust. So I updated my numbers specifically for this conversation, and I was expecting to see some pretty good, you know, oh yeah, that go with my, you know, bias and my preconceptions, but it was, uh, it was not to be. In fact, uh, my numbers say that the value right now exists with the Kansas City Chiefs at plus four seventy five. I and I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying. I've been to waiting like for this for weeks. I'm weeks. trying to wrap my head around this, and I'm I'm just because who wants to get involved with these guys right now? This offense looks gross. They can't even cover seven points against Jordan Love and the Packers at home. Come on, you know, like. But at the same time, like they are quietly compiling wins, and you know, the Chargers are at five and three. Chiefs are at five and four. They have one more head to head this season that will ultimately, you know, be a huge, huge leverage for that division. Chiefs are going to have to get the AFC West in order to be live in the AFC, in my opinion, because as we talked about, they finished their season road road. So if they go into the playoffs as a wild card, forget about it. They're not going to go into the AFC as a wild card and win three games on the road after finishing the season with two on the road. That's just too much to ask of a team in terms of travel, in terms of fatigue. So really comes down to do you believe in this team to win the AFC West? And honestly, I can't make a good case that the Chargers are going to be able to withstand the cooler weather months here they have some difficult tests the you know difficult path here meanwhile the chiefs and you know the big the big question mark about them will they ever stop turning the ball over well a lot of that is somewhat fluky i would expect that there will be some positive regression for them in the turnover differential on top of the fact that their defense gets a break here after they play the raiders and after they play the cowboys they go into their bye week they don't face another top offense for the remainder of the season outside of their head-to-head -head against the Chargers. So this defense is finally going to get a break. And realistically, I think now is probably the best position you're going to get to buy low on this Kansas City Chiefs team. Market not loving them this week against the Raiders. They're only two and a half point favorites. Meanwhile, the Raiders talk about dysfunctional situation going on in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, the distractions surrounding that team, not just in the coaching staff that they've gone through, but now the players and personnel, you know, the cuts and the, um, the situation with Henry Ruggs 
meaningfully distracting their preparation, their ability to get ready for a primetime game. Um, this is a brutal spot for Las Vegas. They have to now welcome a Chiefs team that's coming in that's getting healthier. Tyreek Hill has not been the same this season as we've seen in years past because he's been dealing with injuries, but he gets healthier every week. Similarly, Travis Kelsey has not been what we expected of him this season, but he will get uh, continue to improve as we get into the cooler months and as his role becomes more well-defined in this offense. The two high safeties will only work for so long against Pat Mahomes and company. Eventually, they will figure out the right combination of plays to really expose these defenses because they are giving them way, way, way too much space underneath. The Chiefs right now are the buy low in the AFC, in my opinion. So I've been waiting for weeks to get to the buy low for the Kansas City Chiefs, something we talked about months ago, getting ready for the NFL season. As you discussed, some of their early season struggles after coming off of the Super Bowl loss, teams adjusting to them. So I was waiting, like I said, this is a spot. I do like Kansas City at plus 475. I looked at the Ravens fairly quickly at plus 450. They have a tough schedule coming up after yeah. this Thursday night football match against the Dolphins. So that's a stay away from me. I know you are already involved in the Cleveland Browns as a I right now 15 to 1 again wouldn't touch it for what it's worth the bills plus 275 are the most bet at points bet and the patriots at 20 to 1 are the biggest liability followed by none other than the kansas city chiefs we'll continue to break down maybe where we can find value after week 10 in both the afc and nfc Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win 50 grand. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Cavaliers and Wizards, Raptors and Celtics, and Knicks versus the Bucks on Wednesday. So if you do not have the Predictor app yet, be sure to download it now. We're going to stay in the NBA and discuss some of the games tonight. Really small slate. We welcome in Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports to help us break down some of the main games and even bigger picture. Kurt, thanks for taking the time. I do want to start here with the Milwaukee Bucks, who are laying five and a half versus the 76ers. Total at 218. I looked at this line and I was very confused for a minute, of course, then remembering all of the players out for the 76ers with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. COVID protocol is obviously have them not available for what it's worth. Philly one and one uh, on the season without Joel Embiid, the biggest part of their roster. Is it worth taking a look at the Milwaukee Bucks, even though they're laying five and a half or can Philly cover without their star players? This is also Philly on the second night of a back-to-back shorthanded. So, I mean, I think you've got to factor that in. I'm, I'm surprised like either of you haven't gotten a text from Doc Rivers yet seeing if you can play tonight. Because I mean, they're just, they're so. He terrible. asked Drew, but Drew is busy doing the show. So, yeah, yeah so yeah, you, priorities. <laughs> you don't need that NBA money, Drew. It's, it's overrated. Um, that I, I think you do. I just think Milwaukee's, look, Milwaukee's banged up as well. They, they, both of these teams come in shorthanded. There's no Chris Middleton or not expected to play. I know that Rook Lopez is out. So when you're short a couple of guys, that, that's really had them that are key to their rotation. They have stumbled this year. But Philly is so shorthanded, second night of a back-to-back. I mean, somebody on Twitter last night described them as the Delaware Bluecoats plus Seth three. And they're just so <laughs> they're so shorthanded that I don't have any – and without Tybal and without Embiid, they just don't have anybody they can really throw at Giannis to even slow him down. So I really do like the Bucks to kind of – they need a get-right kind of win, and this just seems like a good spot for them to kind of run away and hide. Yeah. Yeah. I, I met, yeah, I messaged him. I said, yeah, I, I'm not a great matchup for uh, Giannis. So you, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to help you guys. Uh, we'll get more into this game and my takes on it for edge of the day. 
uh, you're not going to be surprised where I'm going if you know my handicapping style. <laughs> but uh, that said, I'm curious what you make of this game between the Trailblazers and the Clippers. So fascinating little, um, you know, if you haven't been paying attention to the NBA day by day, this is the third time these teams have played in this very young season so far. So we have a good signal and or at least a good data set to comb through to try to find an edge in this matchup. The Trailblazers are taking on the Clippers in LA. Clippers are three point favorites here. The total right now is sitting at 220 and a half. Uh, the two games so far this season were lopsided. The first game, one-way action Clippers. Second game, the market couldn't get enough Trailblazers. Trailblazers, obvious the right side. Not seeing a ton of market indication here in terms of which side is the correct side. Last night, there was a little bit of Portland money, but it's all comeback Clippers. Some under steam here. Do you have a lean either way in the uh, matchup between these two very familiar foes? Yeah, I I guess the question is, did did Drew, I'm going to do Drew, it's Drew, or not Drew, uh, that Damian Lillard guy, you look so much alike. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, Damian Lillard got right against the uh, Laker defense the other night, right? Like he, he finally kind of looked more like himself after slumping for a while. Uh, the question is to me, does he, did he, can he build on that? Can he carry it over? Because Clippers have the, with, when you look at uh, cleaning the glass where they wipe out the garbage time, second best defense in the NBA. The Clippers have defended really well this year. And while Paul George is rightfully getting all the attention. Like it's their defense that's keeping them in games, keeping it close. I kind of like them in this situation. Just I, I'm not a big believer in Portland yet. I don't think it helps to have the distraction going on in the background with Neil Olshay and all that. Like I just, I don't think it's good for teams to have that. Sometimes teams can tune that out. I'm not. We'll see what happens with Portland, but I'm not. I don't think it's ever a good thing to have that kind of cloud over the organization. And the Clippers are just kind of rolling. They're home. I, I, I just. I, I like their defense and I like their chances. And, you know, it's hard not to like Paul George. He's playing at an all-NBA level right now. Paul George, by the way, who dropped 42 the last time he faced the Trailblazers. And and you said it, Kurt. They certainly are rolling the Clippers on that four-game winning streak. And the market is liking them as 86% of the handle coming in on the Clippers for tonight's matchup against Portland. But let's break down the Clippers and really just the Western Conference as a whole right now. Because I'm pretty mind-boggled that we're looking at the Lakers at plus 250. Now, I understand they're a, a betting favorite. People love to one, run to the window and bet the Los Angeles Lakers. But not I. I don't think Drew, if I've listened to anything he said <laughs> over the last six months. So I'm trying to find value. And obviously the Warriors are a hot topic in the way they've been playing in the regular season. But from your opinion and, and years of covering the NBA and seeing how teams can start off strong and not finish that way, the depth of their roster, to you, who stands out to win the Western Conference? Yeah, there's just no value in the Lakers. I'm with you. I'm like, I don't, I, I think those early games, even look, Let's be honest. If LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy when they get to the playoffs, that team's a threat. Those guys are amazing when they're together. They win. And that said, the defense, the shooting, the issues they had, we wondered about coming into the season, are legitimate. Like, th this team is – I've got real questions about how far they're going to be able to go if those two guys can't just completely, completely take over. I don't think there's – and obviously, the low number, they're not value there – I think the places I've seen fairly, I'm a little higher on Utah than everybody else, but I can understand people who are not, right? Like I can understand being having your questions about them coming into the playoffs. I think if, again, if Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are healthy, I think that team is a threat. But I think the real value for me, if I were gonna, if I were gonna put some money down here, I like Denver. I think they get Jamal Murray back. They have played a great win last night. They, um, you know, Jokic is now going to miss a game after the impressive. I mean, I think it was a clean check, right? He got him with the shoulder and forearm, but, but uh, it turns out that's not allowed. Yeah, he'll probably get suspended for that one. That said, they're playing well as a team. They get Jamal Murray back. If Jamal Murray can come back, 
all-star game-ish. If you, if you believe that he can do that and be 85, 90%, because we know how guys with ACLs, it, it just, it takes a while. It takes mm-hmm. a while to trust it. If he's 85 to 90% of himself, and I'm looking at the rest of this West thinking that's probably the best team. I, I think that there's real value in them. There's, I, But I also will say, I just, there's no standout in the West. It's not like in the East where I think there's a standout. I, I just don't know in the West. Mm, I couldn't agree with you more uh, about that sort of general you know, sentiment. The Jazz spooked me. Yeah. They should have gotten to the Western Conference Finals last year. The fact they lost to the Clippers without Kawhi was an embarrassment. I guess uh, if you made me take one shot at those numbers, Sun 7-1 to is good. Yeah. I'd like to see them add their depth a little bit. I would really love a better secondary ball handler off the bench than Cam Johnson. He is struggling this year. Yeah. It is brutal watching some of those lineups. But the West is uh, quite a mystery. And meanwhile, the East... You know, the market's not really faced by the Nets' somewhat slow start. Obviously, James Harden looks like he needs a couple more months to get into any semblance of shape. But ultimately, thankfully for him, the NBA season is nice and long. And so he's going to have lots of time to get in shape before we get to the playoffs. Similarly, the Bucks are kind of going through some injury wrinkles. And right now, we would expect that they get healthy as they go through their season. This is probably getting some of their role players some meaningful minutes, which may ultimately be helpful. The Heat look like an absolute truck right now, currently sitting third at plus 550. They have won every game that they've gone into with a competitive spirit. They have been absolutely dynamite. What is your general read on the East right now? And do you see any value in the betting market taking on the, the monumental favorite Nets? Yeah, it's not in the nets, and I'm kind of with the market here. I'm sure it's all James Harden's hamstring that has him starting slowly this season. It wasn't anything he was doing off the court during the offseason. It's it's I'm pure purely, purely the hamstring. But that said, I just I'm not worried about them. And I have this just weird feeling that somewhere around January, February, Kyrie's gonna do some mental gymnastics that put him he's got a feeling he'll be back. We'll see. That said. I think the only you mentioned the team I think that has value. I thought Miami was going to start slower in the regular season, and then I think they're just built for the playoffs. I think they have the offensive versatility. I think they have the multiple shot creators because you can count on Jimmy Butler and now Kyle Lowry. You've got great defense inside with Bam Adebayo. Plus, he can stretch the floor. Just I like the way that team is built for the postseason, and I think I think that's still the best value in the East. That's the team to me that. If Kyrie doesn't come back, their Brooklyn becomes vulnerable, or if something else happens, Brooklyn becomes vulnerable. I think Miami is the team best positioned to, and, and you could, like you said, if they're a plus five fifty, that's not bad. That, that's that's not bad because I, again, I, there's not a lot of value in the box. I'm with you. I think they're going to be very good by the end of the season. They're just kind of going through an injury bug, but Miami's where the value is. Yeah, they were nine to one to win the conference before the season started. Now we are looking at the Miami Heat at plus five fifty. By the way, that is the second biggest liability at points bet. So certainly some believers in the Miami Heat. Kurt, awesome stuff. Love having you on. If you are not following Kurt on Twitter, you could do so and find him at Basketball Talk. You can get all of his NBA insight, of course, on the Pro Basketball Talk podcast and on NBCSports.com. Kurt, thank you so much. I hope you feel as good as Steph Curry does. <laughs> I, 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 he's living his best life right now. I love that. Somebody's got to do it. Awesome stuff from Kurt. Guys, we appreciate you listening to Bet the Edge. Wherever you may be listening, make sure to rate the podcast. Of course, do yourself a favor, sign up. We're trying to give you the most actionable information in just about 30 minutes or less. The lines, especially in the NBA, have been moving like crazy. And we do want to make sure you're joining us live or signing up so you can gain an edge with us here. Speaking of lines moving like crazy, I'm not sure if you saw this yesterday, but uh, the openers popped for college basketball. 
Oh my goodness, there was a lot of steam. The market was hot as ever. If you have some hot looks on college basketball, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you're looking out for. Let me know what sides you think are wildly overrated, underrated as we tip off the CBB season tonight. Uh, I'm available at whale underscore capper and Sarah is at Sarah Perlman. We're going to get into college basketball later because I was up early. I had some jet lag and I crunched some numbers and I did come up with a play in college basketball. We'll get into edge of the day and I'm going to try to get my handicap stronger throughout the season. We'll get into that in just a little bit because we do have a professional NHL handicapper standing by that of course is Matt Rainier and there are 10 games. So a lot to get through. We'll see how many we can fire away and try to find some value, Matt. I appreciate the time. We will start with the Hurricanes right now at plus 105 versus Tampa Bay. Certainly seen some money on this. And when I was looking at some of the notes for each game as I go across in the morning, what stood out to me right now are the Hurricanes. Not only 9-1-0 to start the season, but they have a 19-point goal differential, which is pretty absurd. So I'm taking in all this information. I realize that they're an underdog on the road. But in your opinion, is that where the value is? Yeah, for, for me, that that's kind of where I'm going here, Sarah. You brought up that goal differential largely due to Frederick Anderson with the way that he's played in net so far for Carolina. This is his first year down there, and he's fifth in goals against average in the entire NHL. And you take a look and see, you know, he was one of the, the players of the month in the entire league in October. And I think it's a it sounds obvious, but I think the rest of the team is freed up a bit when you're not worried about having to make up for a goalie or worried that if all of a sudden you allow some sort of an odd man break, that your goalie is just going to completely crumble and, and allow you know three or four go by. So I think that's part of what has made Carolina as impressive as they've been to start this season, getting off to that nine and one start. And, I, you know, I respect Tampa. They've started to put things together. It seems like their cup hangover is starting to wear off some. They've won four of their last five. But special teams, I think, is going to be an important part tonight. Tampa's power play has kind of been on the suspect side. They're in the bottom third as far as their power play percentage is concerned. And conversely, Carolina's done quite well on the PK this year. They're in the top third in the league. So I think this is a nice opportunity to take a look at a plus value on Carolina on the road, plus 105. I think this is pretty close to a coin flip. If anything, Carolina with a slight edge. Therefore, you're getting a decent edge with that price. Oh, this is fantastic. I think if you care about hockey, you need to tune into this one tonight because this does have a feel of sort of an Eastern Conference Finals type of a preview. Both of these teams look like they are going to be in the mix uh, come this spring. Speaking of a team that's going to be in the mix, the Edmonton Oilers are a absolute truck. <laughs> they are <laughs> have been awesome to start this season, and they take on the, uh, the hapless Red Wings. Red Wings, I guess they haven't been as poor as we had expected. They've managed to accumulate 14 points so far, put themselves sort of in the middle of the table there. But realistically, this looks like an offensive juggernaut waiting to explode in Detroit with the Edmonton Oilers. Is that your read as well? Yeah, and before we get into Edmonton, you brought up Detroit. I, I think there's promise there with the Red Wings. They're just young and they still are kind of on the streaky side. Give them a little bit of time. Maybe it's not this year, but down the road, I think they're going to be okay. As far as tonight is concerned, to your point, Drew, I mean, Edmonton is just firing on all cylinders right now. The more things change, the more they stay the same. McDavid, Dreisaitl, they're the top two in the league in points scored. Dreisaitl's got 23. McDavid's got 22. But it's not just those guys Ryan Nugent Hopkins is in the top 10 in points. Zach Hyman has uh, seven goals. He's ninth in the league right now. I think it's one of those things that you go through and look at it and say, Miko Koskinen has been their goaltender. He hasn't been spectacular, but he hasn't needed to be. 
with the amount of goals that Edmonton has scored this year, they're averaging almost four and a half goals a game. And with the struggles that Detroit has had in net, regardless of who the netminder has been, it just seems difficult for me to envision a scenario where Edmonton doesn't score uh, a rather large number of goals. Maybe it's not five or six, but I think they're going to at least put up three or four. And if that's the case, I think they can easily cover this puck line. The number's up to plus 140. I think that's the way that you want to go in a game like this. Take a look at Edmonton on the road to continue rolling in the right direction. I think they cover tonight. Okay, plus 140 on the puck line. So certainly some good value there. One more game I have for you here is going to be the Anaheim Ducks playing Vancouver. And it's a broad question along with the game itself because I'm genuinely curious here. So I look right now in the Ducks on this five-game streak. They've won four straight, really dominant win against the Blues, four to one. So they've been playing fantastic. But obviously, they're now on the road playing in a tough place against a pretty good team. Not only when you're looking at the side and trying to find an edge there, how much of their recent play is, is factoring into this knowing that they're probably a little tired playing really hard and strong and not giving some of their starters a ton of rest i think the other thing to keep in mind too sarah not only are they on a a long winning streak but they've even played better than what i think their record would suggest they are Mm -hmm. go back to their prior four losses a shootout loss against vegas an overtime loss against buffalo i know this lost three back because it's burned into my brain because i bet him that night a regulation loss against winnipeg a game in which they were ahead three to two with a minute 20 left in regulation Somehow they lost four to three in that final 80 seconds of play. And then prior to that, an overtime loss against Minnesota. So the form that Anaheim has been in, and I understand I wasn't someone who was high on them. No one was really high on them coming into the season. But John Gibson's been very solid in net. And overall, they've been a pretty scrappy little team. And the the sort of trend that they're on heading into Vancouver against a Canucks team, that's solid. I think they're probably a top half kind of team in the league. But they've struggled a little bit at home. I believe they're two and four overall so far this season up in Canada. So I just kind of look at it and say, with the price that you're getting on Anaheim on the money line, yeah, there's a scenario in which at some point you would think that the the form is going to start to go the opposite direction. But I kind of want to ride along with this, thinking that they're actually better than what that recent form would suggest with those losses I laid out. So plus 130 on the money line and the Ducks tonight on the road, I think that's certainly a play that's worth considering. Yeah, I just like looking at their history fairly quickly in Anaheimton dominant. Also 12 and 5 straight up in the last 17 against Vancouver. So certainly history would say take a look at Anaheim and the way they're playing. Matt, awesome stuff. Thanks so much for joining the show and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, you got it. You can follow Matt on Twitter, Apernier underscore Matt. You can read more of his NHL handicaps there, top overlays, his articles on NBCSportsEdge.com. Also, if you've not checked out his piece on the Breeders' Cup right now, do so. It's on NBC Sports Edge. It is fantastic. Drew, I mentioned that I was going to get into college basketball, and I'm going to, and I'm fired up. But I always start with you for Edge of the Day. You have been all over the NBA, crushing it. People are waiting eagerly for your play. So let's hear it. Yeah, it's been a good t- start to the season overall and um, looking to continue my success by laying the points with the Milwaukee Bucks on the road against the 76ers. We teased it in the breakdown with Kurt. The 76ers are very shorthanded. No Joel Embiid, no Tobias Harris. Of course, Ben Simmons is on extended leave of absence here for the 76ers, which means that you are down to a starting five that is well below league average here for the 76ers. Now, the 76ers have done well to this point in the season. They're eight and three. They've been missing these guys 
actually for quite a few games. This isn't the first time that they're going into a game shorthanded. Uh, however, the role players have been accumulating a ton of fatigue. And you even heard it in the post-game quotes from Doc Rivers yesterday. He said his guys' legs are tired. They're struggling. He is concerned about this particular game and how they match up against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are coming in shorthanded as well. No Chris Middleton, no Brooke Lopez. Dante DiVincenzo remains out. However, you're getting solid play from the role players on this team. The second unit has stepped up. And as you know, when it all when it when it does kind of boil down to fourth quarter end of game scenarios, the fact that Giannis is you have absolutely no matchup for him one v one, I think is going to be a huge differentiating factor. Drew Holiday is starting to get right here for the Bucks as well. So you have two, you have, you know, one A, one B really for the end of game scenario here. Milwaukee, I think, ought to be about a seven, seven and a half point favorite considering player availability and the fact that it is a short five and a half has me involved here with the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, they're four and six. Can't afford to, you know, continue to drop games here and expect to be where they want to be in the standings at the end of the season. So uh, I think you get an honest effort out of Milwaukee tonight on the road. Okay, so I love the Milwaukee Bucks play. I know you're on it as well as most of the people. 81% of the handle this morning coming in on the Milwaukee Bucks laying that five and a half. So would not be surprised to see this continue to climb before the game tonight. For me, I've had a little line movement um, and I'm going to college basketball and I'm really excited to get involved in this because obviously I know most of us and myself included will be watching the Champions Classic. So this morning I woke up really early looking to get involved and get some action in. And obviously we all want to see the first Blue Blood matchup of the college basketball season. So that's where I'm heading to Madison Square Garden where Kansas is playing unranked. Michigan State, and I'm going to take the points with the Spartans currently getting four. This was four and a half, still like it at four. I think what's most important for me here, Drew, is the fact that obviously both Tom Izzo and Bill Self are incredible coaches, and they're bringing in great teams. Kansas probably a class of its own, but it's opening night, and I do think with both of these coaches so experienced and phenomenal, we're going to see a lot of adjustments with new rosters, a slower-paced game, which just led me to grabbing the points. What's also really important to note here is that the Jayhawks will be without their leading rebounder Jalen Wilson uh, in the game he's serving that suspension for his DUI so I do think that's a really good opportunity for Michigan State to cover the points also to possibly get the outright upset our researcher Blake gave me some really awesome numbers that I need to read off to you here favorites have gone three and eight against the spread in the last 11 Champions Classic games dating back to 2015 six favorites have lost outright now I know it's really easy to grab the third ranked team in the country with Kansas Myself and clearly a lot of people are starting to like Michigan State plus the four now was four and a half earlier this morning. So I'm going to take a shot with one of my favorite coaches in all of college basketball, Tom Izzo, and grab the four points with the dog tonight in New York. Going against Bill Self. Also, uh, nothing like the blue blood matchup and taking the team wearing green, right? Um, Why not? <laughs> no, I mean realistically, I think both of these games are going to be decided by a field goal, decided by free, you know, free throws. Michigan State uh, obviously did not live up to expectations last season, losing in the play-in game to mm-hmm. UCLA. Ultimately, UCLA goes on to the Final Four. Uh, but no, these are talented teams. This should be a very competitive game, and uh, I like, uh, yeah, I, I like your look here. Michigan State stays inside the four, and honestly, market's coming with you. This got out to four and a half before there was some sharp action. People took those four and a halves, so uh, the market is with you. College basketball season underway, a lot of NBA, hockey, NFL, so much going on. We'll continue to break that down Monday through Friday here on Bet the Edge. Plays are out. We gave out tons. If you're joining us now, be sure to listen back as we have 
ton of analysis and actionable plays on the NBA and NHL and now college basketball. For the whale capper himself, Drew Densick, I'm Sarah Perlman and all of us here with NBC Sports Edge. Good luck with all of your plays and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.